Our Island Story Chapter 8 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Kara Schallenberg. Our Island Story by H. E. Marshall. Chapter 8 Vortigern and King Constans. During nearly all the time that the Romans remained in Britain, the Britons fought with them, and rebelled against them. But, strange to say, hardly had the Romans gone away, than the Britons wanted them to come back. While they remained in Britain, the Romans took all the strongest and bravest of the Britons for soldiers. They made them go into the Roman army, and taught them how to fight like the Romans. When they left Britain they took away all these British soldiers as well as their own. So the poor country was left with very few men who were able to fight. There were no great generals either, like Cassivellaunus, Caractacus, or Boudicca, to lead them. And in those days, when people were almost always fighting and quarrelling, it was very necessary not only to have brave soldiers, but wise generals. You will remember that the Romans built two walls across Britain, in order to keep back the wild people who lived in the north, that is, in the part of the island which we now call Scotland. As long as the Romans remained in Britain they rebuilt and repaired these walls whenever it was necessary. Soldiers, too, lived in the forts, which were placed at short distances along the walls. These soldiers kept watch, so that the Picts and Scots had not much chance of getting into the south part of the island. But when the Romans went away, there was no one to guard and repair these walls. The Picts and Scots soon found this out. They broke down the walls, and overran the whole south country, reaching even as far as London. Fierce and brave as the Britons were, they were no match for the Picts and Scots. Besides, they had very few soldiers left, and no great leader. So in despair they sent a letter to the Roman emperor, asking for help. This letter was so sad that it was called The Groans of the Britons. "'Come and help us,' it said, "'for the barbarians drive us into the sea, and the sea drives us back again to the barbarians. So those of us who are not killed in battle are drowned.' and soon there will be none of us left at all. The Romans, you remember, called the Britons barbarians, and now the Britons in their turn called the Picts and Scots barbarians. But by this time the Romans had as much as they could do to fight their own battles. They could spare no soldiers to send to Britain, so the Britons had to help themselves as best they could. It was a very sad and miserable time for Britain, till at last a wise king called Constantine began to reign, and he succeeded in driving the Picts and Scots back into their own country. But one day a wicked Pict killed this wise king, and things became as bad as ever, if not worse, for the people, besides fighting with their enemies, began to quarrel among themselves as to who should be king next. King Constantine had three sons. The eldest, Constans, was a monk. 
A monk is a man who takes a vow that he will not marry and have a home of his own. He lives in a big house with other monks, and spends his time in praying, in reading good books, and in helping people who are poor or ill. Constantine's eldest son was a man like this. His two younger sons, who were called Aurelius Ambrosius and Uther Pendragon, were little boys. Now some people said, We cannot have a monk for our king. Others said, We cannot have little boys. So they quarrelled. Among the nobles of Britain was a prince called Vortigern. He was very wise, but not very good. He now went to Constans and said to him, Your father is dead, your brothers are only little boys, you ought to be king. Be a monk no longer, but trust yourself to me, and I will make you king. Only you must promise to take me for your chief adviser. It is considered a very wicked thing for a man to break his vows and cease to be a monk, after he has promised to be one for all his life. But perhaps Constans was rather tired of that way of living, for he promised to do everything that Vortigern asked. Vortigern took Constans away from the monastery, as the house in which monks live is called. They went to London together, and Vortigern marched into the king's palace, took the crown, and put it on Constans's head. Then he told the people that Constans was their new king. The people were not very pleased at having a king chosen for them in this way, but as Vortigern was such a powerful prince, they were afraid to fight with him, so they let Constans be king. Now, Vortigern really wanted to get the whole of the power for himself. He knew that Constans, having lived all his life in a monastery, could not know much about ruling people. So, although Constans was called king, it was really Vortigern who ruled. First, Vortigern took charge of the king's money. Next, he got all the strong castles into his hands and filled them with his own soldiers. Then he said to the king, I hear that the Picts and Scots are coming to fight against us again. We ought to have more soldiers. King Constans replied, I leave everything to you. Get more soldiers if you think we need them. Then Vortigern said, I think the Picts would be the very best soldiers to get. They will come and fight for us if we pay them well. In those days people did not always fight for their own country. There were many soldiers who would fight for any country and any cause, if only they were paid well. So Vortigern sent to Scotland for a hundred Picts. When they came he treated them very kindly. He gave them more money and better food and clothes than any of the other soldiers. The Picts thought Vortigern was a very kind master. They soon saw that he really had all the power, and that Constans was only a pretense king. Now Vortigern wanted these Picts to murder Constans, but he was too cunning to tell them this plainly, so one day he appeared with a sad face, and told the Picts that Constans gave him so little money that he could not afford to live in Britain any more, and must go somewhere else. This made the Picts very angry with Constans. They were so afraid of losing their kind master that they resolved to kill Constans and make Vortigern king. That night, while Constans was asleep, they rushed into his room, cut off his head, and carried it to Vortigern. Vortigern was really delighted that his plan had succeeded so well, 
but he pretended to be very sad at the death of Constance, and very angry with those who had killed him. He ordered all the Picts to be put into prison, and then had their heads cut off. He did this because he was afraid they might say afterwards that he had told them to murder Constance. When the two little boys, Aurelius Ambrosius and Uther Pendragon, heard what had happened to their brother, King Constance, they were afraid that Vortigern might kill them too. For although Vortigern tried hard to make believe that he had had nothing to do with the murder of Constance, the people felt quite sure that he was really to blame for it. So Aurelius Ambrosius and Uther Pendragon fled away to that part of France called Brittany, where they remained in safety for many years. End of chapter 8 Read by Kara Schallenberg www.kray.org On May 18, 2006 In Oceanside, California